know, I love that intro. Every time I hear that, I feel like we should be wrestling in the mud or eating rats or something, you know, on Survivor. So, hey, uh, my name is Blake. I'm the new pastor here. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I say that because uh, we're just coming off vacation. I just want to say thanks. This is the uh, first time in 13 years of ministry we were able to be away for uh, three weeks uh, at a time. So just an awesome experience. So uh, thank you for affording me that privilege. And uh, now we've kicked Pastor Terry out, and he's gone for a couple of weeks. Um, so you're stuck with me today. So uh, uh, awesome to be with you. Great having you today. Um, we're going to be looking at, at one of the villains. Uh, I said this a few weeks ago whenever I spoke that uh, Pastor Terry is holy and righteous and a true man of God, so he gets to speak on all the heroes, and, and I'm not, so I get to talk about the villains. So uh, we're going to look at Jezebel this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Um, turn them to 1 Kings chapter 21 is where we're going to hang out and spend a little bit of time together this morning. Um, I hope that y'all have had a good time with us as we've been working through this series uh, of heroes and villains. I think it's been a lot of fun for us to teach it and, and to read through and do our devotionals with it and stuff like that. So um, hope you've had a good time. Uh, but today we're going to look at probably, um, undoubtedly, the baddest babe in all the Bible. Jezebel was one crazy chick. Okay, um, so let me give you just a little bit of background so you have a good context of understanding. Uh, you know, I've been on vacation. I spoke first service, so I'm going to spend a lot of time in the chair. I'm just kind of tired. You know, I'm worn out, right? So um, we first see this diva in 1 Kings chapter 16 in verse 31. She married a guy by the name of Ahab, um, and he himself was a not very nice guy. Okay? So uh, our first introduction is this. He, being Ahab, not only considered it trivial to commit the uh, sins of Jeroboam, who's the king before him, and he was the baddest dude, uh, according to God, up until Ahab takes over, did absolutely nothing God's way, everything his own way, worship false God, was a mess. Okay? Drew people away from God consistently. He didn't think it was a big deal, uh, but he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbal, the king of the Sidonians, and he began to serve Baal, which was uh, another god, and worship him. Now, like I said, Ahab was not a very nice guy. It had only made things worse whenever he married Jezebel. Now, Scripture will tell us, we'll look at this, it says that Ahab did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any other king ever, and his wife was no better. She egged him on. She urged him. She did things to kind of spurn him. And together they were, were a nasty, nasty team. Now, now this chick was, was your worst nightmare, guys. Uh, she was worse than any girl you've ever dated. Okay? Uh, just think about that for a second. Because some of us have dated some challenges, shall we say. Right? Um, ladies, for, for you... Uh, hopefully it's not your husband, but it was, you know, just a, a bad, bad situation, okay? Because of her power and position and her religious view, she could do whatever she wanted. Uh, she initiated a holy war against all of God's prophets and God's people. Uh, she killed hundreds of, of pastors and preachers and prophets and those kinds of things. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, just a small remnant of about a hundred were saved by a guy named Obadiah. Um, and it wasn't a very good idea for her uh, to put out a hit. You know, she was like a hit woman. Put out a hit on all of God's prophets. 
In 1 Kings chapter 19, one of the prophets named Elijah kills 450 of her prophets and just a holy war was incited. She was so powerful. Elijah, standing before all the prophets of Baal, uh, called down fire from heaven. Fire came down from heaven, wiped out everything that he asked it to, looked up all the water from around the deal. It was a very powerful, uh, incredible moment that God exuded his power. Elijah spoke it, God did it. The very next scene we get is Jezebel saying, you know what? By this time tomorrow, Elijah, you're going to be dead just like my prophets are. She had so much power and instilled so much fear in the people of God that Elijah ran and hid in a cave. This chick was ferocious. Okay? So that kind of gives you a little bit of uh, context and background. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 21, and we're going to draw on some insights to learn from her today. Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use it as a vegetable garden. I'll give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab He went home, and sullen, angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to his bed, his face against the wall, and refused to eat. We'll talk about that in a minute. His wife, Jezebel, comes in. What's the matter, she asked. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not, Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name. Did you hear that? Sealed them with his seal and sent them to the elders and other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. In her letters, she commanded, call the citizens together for fasting and prayer and give Naboth a place of honor and then seat two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king, then take him out and stone him to death. Well, the next few verses, exactly that happened. Then in verse 15, when Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, You know the vineyard Naboth Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to claim it. And then God speaks to Elijah and and basically says, You're going to tell them some things that are going to come true later, and you're going to condemn them for what they've done. And so uh, he does that. And then in verse 23, it says this. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of of land in Jezreel. The member of Ahab's family uh, will die in the city, will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. This is good news, by the way, right? Verse 25. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife, Jezebel. Now that's an awful condemning statement for God to have said through Elijah that nobody else had ever done anything to incite the anger of God or as as horrible as these two did. So I think that there are some some things that we can learn, some principles that we can learn from this story, because I, I really do think that we all have a tendency at times to have a little Ahab or Jezebel in us. 
at, at various times, and I think you'll see it whenever I point it out to you. And if you don't, I'll let you borrow my glasses. It all starts off with Ahab wanting something that was not his. Now, I'm sure that none of us have ever wanted something that was not ours. That never happens, right? See, the bad part's not the wanting. It's okay to want stuff as long as you're not coveting it, as long as you're not doing things outside of uh, God's understanding or outside of the law or outside of what's right to get it. The wanting's not bad. It's the actions that lead to the getting. When we move from wanting to coveting, has any of us ever pouted and kind of stomped our feet whenever we didn't get what we wanted? If any of you have ever been a child, you probably did. I think I just saw a wife nudge her husband, but that's another conversation, right? See, this is, this is the problem. And uh, this, this one phrase, it's the first blanks uh, on, your in, on your insert there. Uh, I really think this sets up everything else. Uh, you know, I, I spoke for service, and I was, as I was thinking about it between services, this one phrase sets up everything else I'm going to talk about. If you don't get anything else out of today, this one situation, uh, I think, will enlighten us. I believe the problem is that our belief in t- uh, uh, of in this entitlement, a belief in entitlement, ruins us. It's ruining our country, and I think it's ruining us as individuals. Let me explain. See, Ahab thought he was entitled to the property that Naboth owned. The property was right next to what? His what? Yeah, we interact. It's okay. His palace. It was right next door. He goes to Naboth and says, hey, I love the property. I've surveyed the land. Love it. You're growing grapes on it. I would like that property. I'm entitled to it. I'm the king. I want it. I'll, I'll pay you for it. I'll trade you for it. Whatever we got to do. And Naboth said, what? No. Pretty simple. So, so Ahab did any, what any self-respecting king would do. He stomped off back to his room, pouted, threw himself on the bed, and turned away, didn't eat. Have you ever had a kid do that? Have you, I mean, seriously, have you ever had one of your kids, maybe it was you, have you ever had one of your kids be like, I'm not going to do that, and then they just stomp off and don't eat dinner, and they come back like an hour later, Mommy, I'm hungry. Well, sorry. Guess what we did? We wrapped up your food. It's cold in the fridge. We ain't using the microwave. <laughs> you got to eat it cold, right? Well, maybe that's just us. I don't know. I really think this notion of entitlement absolutely is, is just messing us up. Too many people, and ourselves included, believe that we are entitled to whatever we want. Kids are entitled to cell phones because everyone else has one. I've seen kindergartners on the cell phone. How ignorant is that? How many of you had a cell phone growing up? No, we didn't even wear seatbelts, right? I would lay up in the back window of our big Plymouth and hang out. I was like the bobbin head dog, you know, before they had them, right? We didn't have cell phones, but, but we deserve a cell phone. We're entitled to a cell phone because all the rest of the kids in our class have a cell phone. If all the rest of the kids in your class did what? Jumped off a bridge, would you jump too? Probably. No! We're not entitled to cell phones. Teenagers believe that they're entitled to what? A car, wherever they get their license. 
I don't know about you, but whenever I was growing up and I turned that age, I had to work for a car. Mom and Dad ain't going to give me nothing. I'm like, hey, I'm entitled to a car. I got my license. Who cares? Do you have a job? No, then it sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> Get a job, buy a car. We're not entitled to it. I, I was talking to somebody uh, between services. It's kind of funny. I told them I'd use this. So here it is. Well, have a driver's license. Y'all have a driver's license? Right? You're not entitled to drive because you have a driver's license. It's a privilege. 80% of the world does not drive. It's a privilege, not an issue of entitlement. Oh, I turned 16. I'm going to Think about our culture. Big companies are entitled to lie and cheat to make a profit. Right? Gas companies, oil companies are entitled to charge us way too much for gasoline because speculators say we're running out, yet millions of gallons of oil are draining into the uh, Gulf, right? Oh, but we're out of oil. A country is entitled to be trillions of dollars in debt but crucifies its people when they fall behind on their mortgages. Amen? They're entitled. Men... You are entitled, some think, to do whatever you want and treat women however you want to treat them. Women, you are entitled, well, to everything, I think, you know. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we are entitled to a new iPad and a, or an iPhone simply because Apple says we are. Right? No, you're not. You are not entitled to an iPad or iPhone. We want them. We are entitled to a better life, aren't we? We are entitled to a better life than what? Our parents had. We're entitled to that. We are entitled to tons of presents at Christmas, because that's, after all, what it's all about. It's getting presents, right? We're entitled to it. We are entitled to a better home. We are entitled to a nicer car. We are entitled to whatever we want when we want it. We're entitled to drive throughs We're entitled to fast food. I, I think Burger King is the reason for this failure. Because at Burger King, why? You can have it. Yeah, I'm, you know. Burger King has ruined America. No, I'm just kidding. Burger King, I'm just messing, right? But that's, that's our culture. That's what we believe. You're entitled to it. You're entitled to everything. And I think that's, that's really what messes us up because rather than understanding we have rights and privileges that 80% of the world has never thought of, we, because we live in America, are entitled to whatever we want. Because you know why? We can take our Discover card and we can go buy it without question. We're entitled. See, just because we think we are entitled to something doesn't mean that we deserve it. Do you know anybody who believes that they are entitled to respect but yet have not deserved the respect that they think they're entitled to? I know a lot of people like that. You know, I went to, to Bible as I was preparing this. BibleGateway.com, if you haven't checked that out, great resource for you to, to use on the internet. 
uh, scripture, research, stuff like that. BibleGateway.com, I entered the words entitled and entitlement in about 10 different translations to find out how many times it's found in the Bible. How many times do you think it's found there? Yeah, somebody just won a Twinkie because it's not there. Or somebody say zero. Zero times does Scripture say we are entitled to anything. But we do get what we deserve, don't we? Now see, my understanding growing up was that we would get what we deserve. We would get what we deserve based on the words that we spoke. Okay? By the friends that we kept. Think about friends that you have kept that maybe have gotten you into situations that you should have never been in. We get what we deserve by our actions. We get what we deserve by the way we live. We weren't entitled to anything as, as I was growing up. And, and I know some of you, it was even worse. I mean, the only thing we were entitled to was a grounding for disobeying or a spanking just because somebody felt like it, right? Just because we needed it. That's all that we were entitled to. Even today, we're not entitled to anything. According to Scripture, we will get... What we deserve, Jeremiah 17.10 says this, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve. For the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, I don't know about you, but the life I have lived prior to my relationship with Christ, I deserve to be in a ditch someplace dead. I deserve to, to not have a beautiful wife and great kids. I deserve to be tiptoeing right into hell. But because of Christ, we don't always get what we deserve. And because of Christ, we are not entitled to be able to have a relationship and go to heaven with him. It is a privilege. So this understanding of entitlement, I deserve what I deserve, sets us up for everything else that I'll be talking about. The next thing, the second blank on your handout. By the way, this is, this is good news. This should be a nice, light, easy sermon for you guys to hang out with. No, it's not. Okay? Position does not allow you to get what you want when you want it. Because oftentimes in position, we feel like we are entitled to everything because of what our position. I mean, think about Jezebel in our scripture. She was the daughter of a king and the wife of a king. She was the highest ranking woman at that time in all the world. And because of her position... And her understanding of her and her husband's entitlement, she thought she could do whatever she wanted to whomever she wanted to get whatever she wanted. I don't know about you, but it sounds a whole lot like stuff that happens in today's culture. She even reminds her husband in verse 7, Are you not the king of Israel? She said, Aren't you the highest dude in the land? Aren't you all that in a bag of chips? Yes, you are. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard because of my position. 
She says, Ahab, you're the king. You have all the authority. You can do whatever you want to. You are entitled. Quit acting like such a baby and get up. See, position does not give us any rights. Do you know people in position of authority that should not be there? Cricket, cricket. Do you know people who use their position to exude authority that they haven't earned the right to use? Just because you're the boss at work doesn't mean you can do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. Some people do, based on their position. See, I think, I'm pretty sure Jesus has a little something to say about that. Because in Luke chapter 13, verse 29 through 31, he says, People will come from all over the world. He talks about position. From the east and west, north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this. Some who seem least important now, in positions of no authority, uh, the weakest among us, the lowest of low, will be the greatest then in the kingdom of God. And some who are the greatest now, the, the ones who hold position who believe in entitlement, who think they deserve what they don't deserve, will be the least important then. See, Christ turns this entire notion on its ear for us. He does not preach authority based on position. He preaches position based on humility. The more humility you show, the more you serve, the more you love God and and you care for others, the more you strive to be like Christ. None of us will ever attain that. But the more we try to live out the principles that we, we begin to learn and understand in our relationship with Christ followers and Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and whatever it is, the more we learn about that, the greater our position, if you will, in heaven. Now, none of us will attain the highest position, that's already reserved for Christ. And just because you're serving well and loving well, that's theology based on works, and that doesn't work out for you either. Because if you're just doing it to get position, then you ain't doing it right. Does it make sense? Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being made in the likeness of us, being found in our appearance, he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Jesus says, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross, that, that load that you carry, and you're going to follow me. If you're going to be my disciple, you've got to sell everything. Give it all away and follow me. Give up your position. Give up your understanding of entitlement. You don't have entitled. You're not entitled to anything. Your position does not give you entitlement. Good news. What else can we learn from this passage? The next blank is lying to get your way will have drastic effects on you and others. Now, I'm sure... None of us have ever told a lie. Right? At least not in the last seven minutes. See, Jezebel lied and ruined an entire family. 
She ruined an entire lineage of people. Remember, Nabal says, listen, I'm not going to give you the vineyard because it's been handed down to me from generation after generation after generation, and it's my job to continue the lineage by giving it to the generation after me. One lie ruined an entire history of a family. See, Naboth seemed to have had pretty good family values and an understanding of what it meant to live rightly. But in order to get it, Jezebel had to lie and deceive. And again, none of us have ever lied or ever deceived anybody to get anything we want. If you've ever been a teenager, you've done that. Right? No, Mom, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, Dad, I, I did that, no problem. Yeah, hey, I can handle that, no worries, I got it. Sure, one more won't hurt. Oh, I, I'm over 21, here's my real fake ID. <laughs> I, I, I'm not married. I'm not married. See, think about those lies that you've told. And the effect, the ripple effects that they may have created. Sometimes you don't even see them. See, lies are just not for politicians in an election year, right? That's what, we, it's, you know, oh, they're lying. One ad says the next about the other. But sometimes the lies that we tell influence the lives of others. And it can ruin situations. It can ruin families. It can ruin relationships. Sometimes we've been on the receiving end of those lies. And sometimes it's nearly ruined our lives because of those lies. Because we think we're entitled to everything, and because we use our position wrongly, we feel like we can lie and get rid of it, but it ruins careers, it ruins marriages, it puts children and parents at war with each other. Companies fail, and no matter what happens, people lose. You can never win, never win, ultimately, by lying. I mean, they spread like wildfire, don't they? And they cut like a knife. And I think sometimes, as we see with Jezebel and Ahab, they lied because they believed they were entitled to something, they used their position wrongly, so they lied to get whatever they wanted. In this case, a simple plot of ground that grew grapes. Think about that. That is nothing. I mean, really. I mean, if we just think about it, it's nothing. But sometimes... Since we're entitled to things, we use our position wrongly, we lie to get whatever we want, even though it's something trivial and makes no difference at all. So finally, well, let, let me back up. See, we, we might be able to look at Jezebel from another perspective. We might be able to look at this and say, hey, you know what? She was just doing what she felt was right to do based on her understanding. She was just trying to take care of her man. She was trying to be a good wife. I don't think we can look at her that way. Because of the next couple things, and this is, kind of, you know, I'm going to wrap it up. Because greed 
And the misuse of power has consequences. Because of our understanding of entitlement, because we use our position of authority wrongly at times, not every time, but because we lie to get whatever we want, it results in greed. Greed kills us. The New Testament says money is the root of all evil, right? No, it's the what? Love of money. It's the greed involved. Greed is the thing that is underlying this whole thing. Jezebel wants all the prophets of God gone, so I'm going to kill them all. I'm greedy that way. Oh, my husband wants this land. I'm entitled to it. I'll use my position. It's my greed driving it. None of us have ever been greedy. In this story and in our lives, greed and the misuse of power has eternal and horrible consequences. The prophets of God, think about it, she killed all these prophets of God. Theoretically, most of them had families. At least they had mothers and fathers or some kind of relationships. And once those people died, all those relationships were devastated. On the flip side, Elijah killed 450 of her prophets. All of those prophets had family and relationships, and once they were dead, all of those relationships were gone. Naboth, whom she had killed, not to mention all of his family and friends, there may and was not someone to succeed him once the king said, that land is mine. Ruined an entire lineage and history of family. See, our greed and our power not only have consequences for others, but also have consequences for us. Verse 23 says, And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The misuse of greed and power because we think we're entitled, because we have a position, because we... Maybe lying is too harsh a word to say in church. Maybe it is. Because we manipulate the truth. How about that? Is that easier for us to digest? We manipulate the truth. No, we lie. Because our greed drives us. Our yearning for power drives us. Think about how that's played itself out in your life and how you need to readjust some things so it doesn't play itself out in your future. Just think about that for a minute. I'm going to have the band come back out. I'm going to read this last piece of scripture. What happens to Jezebel? My prayer is that that we are able to adjust ourselves because of what we've heard today, because what we've been hearing, because of what God's maybe doing in our lives. If you're just new checking this God stuff out, I think there's some principles you can learn. But we don't have... We're not entitled to anything. But we do oftentimes get what we deserve. If, if we weren't followers of God, we would talk about karma. That what comes around, what? Now see, you know it. Oh, I'm a believer in Jesus, I don't believe in that. But most of us are like, you know what comes around, goes around. It's going to happen, you know, it's just part of the deal. So our actions and our lifestyle today will dictate what occurs for our future. How you act today whether you go to Chipotle or not, as Pastor mentioned, it 
it'll dictate what happens the rest of the day. Your actions and reactions will dictate your future. Whether it's a future in an hour or a week or 20 years. When Jezebel, 2 Kings 9, this is what happens. Ahab's dead. Jezebel's left. Monarchy's changed. A God-following king has come. When Jezebel, the queen mother, heard that Yehu had come to Jezreel, she painted her eyelids and fixed her hair. Ladies, she got all dolled up. And she sat at a window. When Yehu entered the gate of the palace, she shouted at him, Have you come in peace, you murderer? You're just like Zimri who murdered his master. She's referring to folks who killed Ahab and some other stuff that happened. Yehu looked up at her and saw her at the window, and he shouted, Who is on my side? And two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Eunuchs were, well, they were castrated men who took care of the women in the palace. Yehu looks at them in verse 33, 2 Kings 9, and says, Throw her down! Yehu yelled. So they threw her out the window, and her blood spattered against the wall and on the horses. And Yehu trampled her body under his horse's hooves. She got what she deserved. Verse 34, Then Yehu went into the palace and ate and drank. And afterward he said, Someone go bury this cursed woman, for she is the daughter of a king. But when they went out to bury her, they only found her skull, her feet, and her hands. When they returned and told Yehu, he stated, This fulfills the message of the Lord which he spoke through his servant Elijah. At the plot of land in Jezreel, dogs will eat Jezebel's body. Her remains will be scattered like dung, like dog poop, on the plot of land in Jezreel, so that no one will be able to recognize her. And our fate, our deserved fate, our fate that we are entitled to because of our position is eternity in hell. That's what we deserve. That's what you're entitled to. That's what your position will get you. Period. If it not were for the grace of Jesus Christ, you would get a fate much worse than Jezebel's. You would wish that dogs would lick your blood and eat your body because of the torment that we deserve, the things that we are entitled to, because of what we believe to be position, authority, our lying and our greed and our power, that's what we deserve. But because of Christ's love, and because of the grace of God, which we do not deserve, which we are not entitled to, but which He freely gives us, gives us the opportunity to live a life differently because of it. So ultimately, as a result of Jezebel, the choice is yours. The choice is yours.